If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, brunch edition of the CU Podcast. We're recording before 9 a.m. because Ian has to get to work uh, today. It's uh, Tuesday, May 14th, post-Pat birthday, 2019. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about uh, a U.S. Senator in- introducing a bill to ban loot boxes and pay-to-win transactions. Tetris 99 update. Uh, maybe uh, some Q&A stuff and talking about a former, uh, my former friend who's been uh, popping up in the news uh, on my birthday as well. Um, so um, real quick, birthday stuff happened. Oh, real quick, on top of the show. Uh, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library is officially sold out. Second print run is done. There's none left in the warehouse. There are some here and there scattered throughout the U.S. at game stores and in people's possessions. And uh, so, in case you forgot what it looks like, oh, here it is. So right now, you can pre-order it. This one's beat up. This is uh, this is like a copy I've had for a while and use it for reference. So right now, you can you can uh, pre-order the third print run at ultimatenes.com. There's improvements to it. It's going to be a new cover, actually, on it. And there's going to be a, a limited edition that we'll have available as well in the coming weeks. <laughs> So anyway, Ian's, Ian's happy. But thanks for making it a success, obviously. Um, right there. Um, and then the uh, the SNES book is being uh, worked on as we speak. Hopefully it gets done uh, by the end of the month. Then it'll go to print. And later in the summer, people will have it in their hands. Ian, did you see Detective Pikachu? I sure did. <clears throat> and it was... <clears throat> it was a video game movie. Uh, okay. but, but there are moments that, that could have probably just been, that I would call just a good movie. Um, definitely better than I think what, you know, a lot of people would expect from something like that. Um, was it deep or anything like that? No, no, it wasn't a particularly deep movie experience, you but expected it to be? nope. <clears throat> um, it wasn't particularly deep and it was just a lot of eye candy, a lot of, uh, 3d CG Pokemon, um, the city that it takes place in, Rhyme City, is kind of cool looking. It's got like a cyberpunkish feel, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's there to show you pictures of Pokemon doing Pokemon stuff for an hour and a half, and it in like in, it. in like weird city locations. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the story's kind of out there, and um, tonally a little dark, a little dark for a kids' movie. Uh, okay, that's fine, but that yeah. works. Other than that, one I'm, of my favorite kids movies I just watched on TV, Goonies. That's a dark movie. Yeah, it's yeah. violent. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and that's a great kids movie. Stop coddling kids. Kids can take a little bit of weirdness. Maybe not dark crystal weirdness, but they can take a take a, a little bit of weirdness. Sure. Yeah. You know, a, a dosage slightly less than. Yes, right. <laughs> that's terrifying. Even as an adult, that movie. It's fucking terrifying. Um, so my birthday came and went. Um, something significant happened on my birthday, which I'll get into in a bit. 
But uh, I got some presents. I guess want me to open them now? I guess so. It's from Vonnie. Yeah. Okay, well, I got other ones as well. This is thanks, Vonnie. Vonnie's a per- look, look. Look at this. She knows how to. I, I'm awful at wrapping uh, presents. I got. I've gotten better. Oh, she's very good at it. So a nice Spider-Man um, wrapping paper. Oh, look at this. Oh, what? Ooh, what? Thanks, Vonnie. It's a uh, uh, Super Nintendo coasters. Uh, you got Link to the Past. I guess is it all of them in here? You get four. You get uh, yeah. Super Metroid, Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, and Super Mario Kart. Interesting. Thank you so much. Is this from from you as well, or, from, or just from Vonnie? It's from Vonnie. Yeah, you don't care. So, but thanks so much. That's great. And then uh, this is in a nice little Avengers little. What is it? Is it a ring? What is it? It's like yes, it's, it's a ring. It's a ring. Uh oh. Uh oh. I like yoga. I like cats. I like yoga cat. It's yoga cat. <laughs> she knew you were gonna love that. Collect one. them all. Yeah. There's, I guess there's three of them. It's a blind box. Oh, it's, it's a blind box. Oh, there's six of them. Oh God, I want the black one on uh, do it on one on one paw doing dancer's pose. <laughs> oh, there, I see it on the side. <laughs> there's camel pose. Um, that's warrior warrior one. Uh, that's a side stretch. Not sure what that cat's doing. Oh, that cat's doing crow pose. Kind of. I can do that. And then, of course, um, there is um, child's pose, or I guess cat's pose right there. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. This is fantastic. I don't want to get them all. Yeah. <laughs> she was afraid that that so, might happen. Uh, I got other presents. I'm actually wearing a, a Bloodsport sh- a shirt. This is one that Thomas got me uh, a while back as a consolation to the original one. But I got more in the mail. Uh, our, our pal Yoshi got me uh, Bloodsport shirt number two. Boom. Or number three, technically. But number two that I that have in my possession. Uh, so I like this one. I like this one as well. I was really hoping for a Chong Lee one to, to balance it out. <laughs> I got to get the Chong Lee one as well. So that's no- and then I also got a package from our pal, our pal Lisa. I think it's also from Thomas Well. I think they went in together. So this is this is great. Uh, I opened it before to see. I shouldn't have, but I did. Uh, uh, this is this is going to be my replacement replacement water bottle. It might be. Um, it's my favorite version of Spider-Man. It's the Iron Spider, uh, Spider-Man. My absolute favorite version, <laughs> right there. Yeah. Look at him. Yeah, look, look at him. He looks fine. Look at him. That's what that's what that's what uh, Stanley intended back in the sixties. Thanks so much for that. And then, I, I it's a shirt, Ian. Uh-huh. It's a Bloodsport shirt. Oh well, look at that! Oh, look at that! Look at that Bloodsport shirt. Yeah, it's uh, Frank Dukes holding the the medallion there, uh-huh. kicking Charlie in the face. It's very similar to a shirt that was given to me a couple years ago that I never received. It is very similar. Very similar. How about that, Ian? Yeah. So here's the deal. I appreciate the present a lot. I will not wear this shirt until I get the original from Ian. <laughs> that is my vow. <laughs> But thank you so much. So now I have three Bloodsport shirts. Technically four. Technically, uh, yeah. Technically. Got that new shirt chemical smell. I love. Thanks so much uh, there. But um, and so we're going to move on to something else that happened on my uh, birthday. So What else happened on your well, birthday? Well, it was birthday uh, East Coast, late May 8th, um, West Coast time, where I, I ended up, uh, I watched, uh, I think it was an NBA game on uh, uh uh, Wednesday night. A oh, Warriors was on Wednesday night uh, as well. I think it was it was game game five uh, on on that night. 
that the Warriors won in a great game after Durant got injured, I believe, um, for, for the fourth quarter. And then um, I started getting, like, someone texted me about, check this out on Twitter. And so I guess what ha- had happened was um, uh, Pro Jared, former friend and uh, colleague, um, have been really close to Jared in four or five years. I'll get into that later. Um, I guess posted online that he was getting divorced from his wife, Heidi, who I do know. We used to follow each other on Twitter. Used to hang out a little bit at conventions. You see our conventions. And then Heidi responded after that announcement from Jared, basically saying, um, I don't know what's going on because Jared blocked me, but my husband has been, uh, in a nice way, I'll say, having sex with uh, someone, I won't say her name, but it's, it's out there, fine, whatever, Holly Conrad, um, who's a who's a, a influencer and streamer and used to be married to one of the Game Grumps uh, folks, uh, Ross. So... This blew up. It was, you know, huge drama. It was um, shocking to a lot of people and how it unfolded. And this was late on May 8th, early May 9th, that Heidi went on a, a, a Twitter uh, firestorm and laid it all out, the, her relationship with, with, with Jared and how it fell apart. She had receipts about the infidelity and more. And it was, at the time, something that, um, you know, when you see something that happened to the people you know, it's it's kind of like surreal, and then it's it's salacious. Obviously, people get into it, and then it sort of developed and took took on life of its own. Um, so the infidelity part I think was shocking to a lot of people, but then in the midst of all that, she happened to start mentioning things like uh, Jared having a Tumblr. Uh, a blog. I don't know anything about Tumblr. Is it a blog? Technically, you just post stuff. Yeah. Um, for posting, uh, for posting and accepting pictures from, uh, from fans, nudes specifically. We'll get that, and then also started a private eighteen plus Snapchat for, I guess, doling out and receiving pictures from fans as well. Uh, and then it turned a bit uglier than that because uh, allegedly. Uh, people have been coming out. It's been alleged that Jared might have been communicating and soliciting nudes and and sending pictures to underage people. Um, so then this spun out on its own on my birthday. My birthday w- was was me trying to do a little bit of writing and then texting and receiving and taking phone calls from people and people that, you know, mutual people and saying like, what the fuck's going on? You know, People saying, well, um, you know, one person basically saying, I'm, I'm, you know, shocked but not surprised by some of this. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's been real trippy. It's, it's blown up. Um, PewDiePie talked about it. It's been mainstream uh, news websites because just Jared is someone that had over had over a million subscribers on YouTube. Now he he hasn't, I don't think, been posting to YouTube as much, but he's still someone that's known. He's a known quantity. He w- he was part of Normal Boost, where they thankfully kicked him off quickly on my birthday after they found out what the fuck was going on. So, looking looking back on you know uh, my relationship with Jared, and I wanted to talk about this because this isn't you know uh, you know the f- the fifty drama YouTubers talking about it or people uh, 
that the only way they get any views is to you know make sure you get got to talk about the story and just repeat it. I I've I've known Jared for ten years. I met him in late two thousand nine. We started talking early two thousand ten. I, I I've spoken about how he was the guys that you know showed up at my panel at SGC two thousand ten when there was like twelve people in the room and it was him, Spoony, James, uh, Rolf, and maybe like six other people were there. So. I, I talked to Jared early on in his career. I was, uh, I knew he had a hundred subscribers on YouTube. Less, he had nothing. He was working for, for Screw Attack in in the, the when 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 they had their game store out in Texas, and so I used to talk to Jared on Skype, and I even encouraged him to strike it out on his own. He was saying, "Hey Pat, do you think I should?" do this I'm, I'm you know is this something i should do i was like yeah fuck yeah do it. if you think you got the talent go do it on your own he did a slender man video that went viral in like i think 2011 or 12 and then he was off and running and he, and he did he replaced destin on hard news and then he he rose up the ranks and good for him he worked hard uh to do that um you know I'm not saying he didn't deserve I'm not saying he wasn't talented in doing game reviews and, and doing things like that and having some sort of comedic voice you know, and, and doing well at, at, at conventions. Um, but then then you see the turn that happened. At least I saw the turn. So what happened was in, in the, the fall of 2013, I came up with an idea called Super Rift Brothers. And I haven't spoken about this publicly in the, in the past about what exactly went down. So Super Rift Brothers was supposed to be, I guess, the MST3K version for video games for the cutscenes of video games, for things video game related. And I approached Brent and Jared and said, would you guys want to do this? Would you be into this? Uh, and they said, yes, this sounds like a cool idea. We can do this. And then the idea was this could be something we could tour or, or do at conventions. It'd be, it'd be a natural fit for conventions for a live show. So um, that fall, we did whatever we, we want to call the pilot. We did six episodes or six, about 10 to 15 minute sort of episodes and we, we we did it all together it was sort of you know we wrote it together we would do a, a google hangout we would time it and it, we, we worked pretty well together uh, at the time but this is when at this point in time jared jared star was on the rise uh brent brent brentlefloss wasn't a nobody brent would tell you back then he was probably at not his peak but brent five years ago when he was really doing the brentlefloss stuff like regularly um he was big Brent was probably like the biggest one out of the three of us by far. I was the lowest one. I had, you know, in 2013, maybe 100,000 subscribers, 120, 115, something like that uh, back then. So um, we did it all, but then it got weird. It got weird during it because I think uh, whenever you have a project with three people that have three powerful, just say, personalities in a way, and, and we all can sort of hold our own, I, I think along the way, uh, egos got got bruised during the during the project because it was democratic and we, we all had to admit at some point writing jokes that this joke is better than yours or mine is better than yours yours is better than his and that's how we did it but we all for the most part pulled our own weight we all came up with the same amount of jokes when people go back and listen to that they'll say oh well this guy's fighting than this guy if they watch the videos but they don't realize that the what was coming out of our mouth isn't necessarily what we wrote it could be someone else we just worked it in. And that's, how, and that's how they do with MST3K when they when they yell at movies. So there was one point in particular where I, where I think things got weird that will get to the point about what I think happened to Jared. So it was one morning where this was during the time before, before MAGFest where I was working hard on my second, I think my second DVD. 
And I needed the DVD to make money. There was really not a lot else going on. Right. I quit my job. YouTube, we weren't making that much, right? We didn't have many sp- sponsorships in the podcast. We weren't doing that well. We really the podcast didn't really take off. <sighs> the podcast that point. had only been on for, for a year, like about four months now. Because <clears throat> oh yeah, 2013. It'd be, it'd be like three, four months. Yeah. Yes. So I needed to do this DVD. Like I was desperate. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. So I would show up to these like Google Hangouts. You know. A lot of times tired. A lot of times I got an hour of sleep or two hours of sleep because I was working hardcore to make sure I had the DVD for sale at that MAGFest so I can actually make some money. So we got into one of our sessions going over a video, and there was a point where Jared and I had the almost the precisely same joke we thought of for for you know for a setup from something we saw in one of these these videos. It, it might have been the one for um we did the the fucking. Uh, Warhawks uh, PS1 cutscene could have been that one could have been the blockbuster training video we had the same exact joke and Jared made an offhand comment I thought was funny he said at the time well look at this Pat had the same joke as I did and he didn't get any sleep and I thought he was being funny and self and sort of uh, you know self deferential in it so I laughed I laughed heartily Looking back, I don't think he liked the fact that I laughed about it. I think he, I think his ego was hurt by that in some weird way. So from that point on, not things were bad, but I think at that point Jared had checked out uh, because I think he realized or decided that he was better than me and Brent, that he didn't need us. So we had a commitment to do this show for at least six months so we can get it going. We put in money for an introduction to get animated. Uh, me and Brent put in, uh, I think, uh, 350 375 between the two of us by the way Jared you owe me and Brent money from that still you didn't put your, your third in we went to MAGFest you were there I believe mm-hmm. it was a sold out packed crowd yeah. people liked it the audio, we had audio problems but I think people enjoyed it um, and then literally two days after MAGFest Jared calls me and says I'm out I don't want to do this oh he texted me he texted me he was out and didn't want to do it and pulled the rug out from under me and Brent. We we had worked so hard on this project. We said we are committed to this. Let's do this. We, this could be something. And I think it could have been something if we did it regularly. I really do think that. It started strong. And so uh, me and Brent scrambled to find a replacement. And we're like, you know what? Fuck it. This isn't worth it. Um, and at that point on, Jared's relationship with me and probably Brent. I don't want to speak for him it sort of dissipated and I didn't talk to Jared as much anymore because I think he saw himself going up, 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 up and Brent and Pat weren't going to help his career. And that's pretty much how it stood with me and Jared after that point, after like I'd say mid 2014 and 2014 where, you know, no more chats, no more checking, even checking in with each other. You see, you see each other at a convention, you might say hi to each other, but you know, that's it. You're gone. So, that's how I knew Jared's development to be as a person because I saw it from when when he wasn't really a content producer at all up to him starting to get big. I saw the change in him, or maybe that's all how he always was, where he just forgot about the friends he knew because, well, I'm bi- I'm bigger than you now, guys, so why would I talk to you? And I've seen that with a, a couple of, of YouTubers. I bring him up as an example, and there's one more I don't want to talk about right now that I definitely saw that in. Um, so the type of person that does that, in my opinion, uh, is, uh, a little bit narcissistic, at least that you can forget about people like they're, like they're nothing and maybe slightly sociopathic. 
that they think they can use people until they can anymore. And they get away with it. So when I see someone get outed for doing bad behavior, uh, not just infidelity, but infidelity with mutual friend that everyone knew that you went to LA to hang out and be featured on Game Grumps, and then you turn around and have sex with uh, the wife of one of those people, that's some narcissistic sociopathy. And that's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, you know, so on, uh, I'm dominating the conversation. Here, I'm sorry, but I just want to lay it all out about th- this is such a strange situation to me, but from what I saw of Jared, I'm not shocked that I could see this being done by this person. Cause Jared, Jared, um, was always one of the examples behind the scenes that me and Ian spoke about, about what happens to people that get YouTube fame and it goes to their head and, and it, be- it becomes out of control. And I, I don't think he hit it well to his colleagues or they ignored it maybe <clears throat> to an extent about his ego take getting the better of him. But I saw it. I saw the transformation. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a shame. Obviously I feel bad for the people he's affected. I feel bad for, for Heidi. I feel bad for any potential underage uh, victims that he solicited or sent pictures, uh, to, um, allegedly. So, yeah, it's just a fucked up situation. Um, and I guess uh, we'll, we'll see where it develops from here. I mean, it's all that I can say. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Really, nothing to add, Ian? I mean, Ian, <laughs> the thing with Ian, I mean, you had a you had a smaller beef with, with Jared uh, than, than I did, I think. I don't know. I, it's definitely soured me on him forever. Um yeah, no, I just, I, I, really my main concern here is that, especially with the underage kids. Uh, allegedly. Hope, yeah, allegedly. Um, hopefully that all gets sorted out. The articles and whatnot that I've read have made it sound um, truly questionable. Um, questionable that, that it happened or questionable that his behavior his his behavior okay yeah so. I'm, I'm fairly like it, it just yeah it, it's it's not well you have all mainstream well here's the thing here's what happened and i told this <laughs> and i told this to uh to one of my our mutual well not friends anymore with jared but mutuals right before it hit i i had heard that it was coming that that heidi was gonna potentially drop the drop the bomb mm-hmm. and then i said to brent when this stuff happens well now i said brent when, when this stuff happens The fucking, it, it's like a flood of stuff comes out. Usually, it's not just one thing, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's still so fresh that it's, uh, you know, you hope that there's not more awful shit for the sake of the victims. I don't care about Jared in the the slightest. Dude's always been a dick to me, but um, yeah, I don't know it. It, the more and more this happens, the more I just hope that people realize that um, YouTubers need to not be put on pedestals. Well, that's when what I put, always when said. You, when you put anyone on a pedestal, things like this are going to happen. But um, this this weird micro-celebrity bullshit is... It's weird, and it's really gotten kind of out of control. And, and, you know, people like this are enabled because they can put on an act... And they can act very nice. They can act like your friend, and they can be the worst person as soon as they walk away from the camera. But it's there. It, it sounds so. It's not to sound cynical, but 
it is these people's jobs to make you like them because when yes. you like them, that's how they He's... make money. This mm. is, you know, when, when, when you're talking to someone like that, especially to someone who seems out of your reach because they act that way, it's, it's pure manipulation on their part. Yes. And this, and this is, a, that's Ian, Ian kudos for saying manipulation. That's what a lot of uh, the online content producing is. It's manipulation. It's putting out um, a facade of of an image of something that you hope people will glom onto and follow. Sure. And you know you're doing it. So whenever I see, I've seen it from Jared, I've seen it from other YouTubers as well, put out these fucking hokey tweets that are overly, you know, like... Saccharine. Saccharine. They're overly, like, positive. Like, go get the... Go, go, let's go get them and be... be true to yourself and it's like these are good things to, to think but it's bullshit coming from certain individuals that i personally know yeah. when i see it some some it's not bullshit someone i see from some people some people like like gerard who's a one of the best people i know you know i see from them like okay yeah gerard he's a very positive person that makes sense when yeah. i saw that stuff from jared first thing i said is that ain't jared because i know jared mm. And I feel like I'm like I'm like really you're getting away. The only thing is like you're getting away with this. This is the persona. It's like I know you, and maybe that's what a lot of times when they stop talking to people because they know that they know the people that knew them when they were nothing. Yeah. So they're almost ashamed to still be connected to them. Maybe that's what maybe that's what it is. At the end of the day, I don't know. So um, I don't think I don't think there's a happy ending here for Jared. Um, he uh, PewDiePie made fun of him. Um, he's an internet meme now. My fucking mom on the on the Mother's Day phone call, I tweeted. I only saw that tweet. My mom yeah. found out about this, and then someone else tweeted that their mom knew about this. This this is getting around this this sort of thing. I think I, I think this this has hit home with a lot of people because of precisely what you just talked about about presenting you know the image and. And people are starting to realize, yeah, this is a thing now. There was another YouTuber who just got put away for 10 years for, for child porn. Yeah, I told you about him last week. Yeah. <clears throat> Austin Jones or something. So, I mean, what happens is you have these, these younger people. I'm an old man. It's funny now we get called boomers uh, when people disagree with us. That's a, that's a thing. Um, when you have these, these kids come up or young adults, they, they start doing this stuff in their teenagers, early 20s. Hell, you want to say they start in their mid-20s. They don't have perspective a lot of times about what's happening, I think, and or what exactly they're becoming, maybe. It sort of gets all wrapped up, the, the persona, with the performance versus what their personality is, and they forget. The lines blur. This isn't like an acting job being a YouTuber. Because when you act, people know that, okay, you're playing a part, and then right. it ends. It's over. It's done. Uh, when you're a YouTuber putting out constant videos, constantly streaming... I know it's very, very constantly updating. I know it's very, social media. Very tiring to hear me talk, but when you're constantly doing that, it's like you're acting at, at a role every day of your life. Yeah, it starts to bleed from one. And yes, the next. and that's why some people get burnt out just from constantly doing it. That's why some people, like uh, certain pals of mine, um, are trying to get off of YouTube and stop it. I've done it to an extent. I don't consider this podcast a, a YouTube thing, really. No, it's on YouTube. Does that make sense? It's not like a traditional YouTube thing. Sure. It's start, you know, it's audio first for me. Um, it's more of a, like a radio show. But that's why a lot of people are like, this is bullshit. I want to get out. 
and that's even before even the algorithm shit changing or anything else. It's just that, yeah, I could have done Path the NES Punk every month for 10 years if I didn't get tired of it and if, if, it, and if it got views and traction. But that's not what you want to be identified with, at the, I think, at least for me, after 10 years. And other YouTubers are saying the same thing. Other friends are like, I don't want to be identified for just this shit after 10 years. I want to do other things. People evolve. People grow. But sometimes, like I said, the, the persona becomes the product, becomes a personality. And that's exactly what happened with Pro Jared. The yeah. three intertwined, if that makes sense. Persona, personality, and the public uh, image all became like the same. And that's weird and dangerous. And this is, I'm not saying that's why this all this bad stuff happened. But when you have that potential for those blurred lines and your ego just gets um, gets gets blown up, because of that, and people, you, you buy into your own product, this could be a bad, very bad, probably the worst possible result. One of the worst possible results you can get out of this. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I mean, I don't know what there is to do to, you know, stop it or make this happen less other than... There really isn't, because all you can say is to warn people that the people you are following yeah. aren't always what they purport to be. That's the only thing you can say, and I've said that a lot. Yeah, you know. So, I'm 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 the same asshole in real life as I am here. Ian could probably attest to that. It's not a huge amount of difference. No, it's more or less true. <laughs> and that's why people like us. I think, you know, are are we know how big our egos are, you know? We we so we can sort of you know keep them constrained as much as we can. So all right, so um. Yeah, I probably don't want to talk about this anymore in the future. If something bad happens or if, or, if, or if there's like some sort of investigation of some sort, I'm sure I'll bring it up if something bad happens like uh, in terms of uh, Jared's uh, legal status. But at this point, it is what it is. And uh, I hope people get the help they need if they were affected in some way, uh, allegedly. Um, and then hopefully uh, the he- the healing can begin, I hope. I don't know. You know. Should I text Jared? Probably not. Probably shouldn't. No, probably not. All right, we're going to move on. All right, Ian. Tetris 99 is getting a big update. Well, it got an an, an update. Uh-huh. So Tetris 99 is the uh, free-to-play uh, Tetris Battle Royale game that came out for the Nintendo Switch a few months ago. A uh, few months ago? Was it March? February? Something like that? Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, this year is all blurred together. It's a very good time, um, but it was um, it was it was light on modes. Basically, you fired it up and you could check your stats, or you could go right into an online game. Um, one background, one no, tile, one, set, mu- one music track, right? one music track, uh, which didn't change the fact that it was a fantastic game and it was free. It was just bare bones. So now it's been around for a few months. They've done. Uh, they're about to start their third Maximus Cup, which is their, I believe, <laughs> monthly competitions. Uh, that's going to be on the 17th. The DLC that's available is $9.99. It adds uh, a marathon mode. Uh, oh. An offline marathon mode. So it's just single player. Just go until you're dead. Just, yeah, just like the regular Tetris, Tetris. Game. Okay. And then it offers an offline play against 98 uh, computer bots, you know, training mode. I'm sure you could probably adjust the difficulty. Uh, who knows? I Maybe don't. Not. But so basically... Nine ninety nine is about what I would value the whole package. The as value. If I was going to buy the whole thing at once, I don't think that's an unreasonable amount to charge. 
Um, that said, there's lots of other ways you can play normal Tetris, and I think most people have at least one way to do it. So is it really necessary to buy buy it for this? I, I don't know. In the offline CPU battle, doesn't seem like it would be as effective as just, well, turning the game on and playing against real people, you know, since that option's well, always right there. The ma- marathon would be nice to, you know, scoreboard. Sure. Compete against people. Um, of note, though, that I think is interesting, uh, if when you participate in this upcoming tournament, um, every... Every time you place, you get a certain number of points. If you can get 100 points, you'll unlock a classic Game Boy skin for uh, Tetris 99. Um, that's I'm, when the event? Yeah, that's uh-huh. during the event. So you can win that skin for 100 points. It's uh, similar in terms of how... The, it's similar to how Nintendo's been doing um, add-on content for Mario Tennis. Click least 100 event points to unlock an in-game theme inspired by the original Game Boy game. Mm-hmm. Event awards, event points awarded based on rank achieved in each battle. You can p- compete. Okay, so even if you, if you lose a couple, you can build them up. Yeah, the more that's you what I'm saying. Okay, you, you get so it's something really, no matter what. It's really encouraged you this weekend go out and play. It's actually a, a, a great marketing scheme. That's I what I was getting it. at actually when you were talking because that's how they do it for um, Mario uh-huh. Tennis. Uh, Mario Tennis is uh, every month they put up a new downloadable character, and all you had to do to get them was uh, play online, like one game. Uh-huh. So it was a way to get people back online every month. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I, I had called this. I had people who kind of disagreed with me, but I have a feeling skins will be how we go with future DLC. May music um, change up how it looks, change up how it sounds a little bit. And keep it fresh for the people who are playing it, you know, multiple times every evening. I think ten bucks is, is yeah, that's worth it. Play offline, like you said. I like the the marathon, which obviously that's easy for them to do. It's Tetris. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'm really surprised. Maybe in the future, really surprised there isn't a mode where you know, what if like just six of us were hanging around, we can play each other. Just just do the same battle. Yeah, start wireless. With, who knows? Start with six instead of ninety nine. Why not? Yeah, same principle. I think they want to keep all the. Uh, I think they want to try to keep the main games all full up, and the easiest way to do that is not to splinter it off with different. I see what game you're modes. saying, but that but that wouldn't happen often if you had people over. You know, let's do a sure. Let's just do a local. Yeah, I mean, oh, local oh, only. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm just thinking of like you know convention hotel room or yeah. You, no, you, I can see that that would be a lot of Ian's fun. Fun day Sundays that Sunday, he has. Fun day. You know, so yeah, that's that's it. So yeah, maybe I'll go out and buy this. And I'm not a big Tetris guy. Oh, I need a better controller. I can't use the button. I need a crosshair. I cannot use the buttons well. It's too much movement in my little thumbs. <laughs> too much movement. So anyway. All right. Anything else to add here? So the, the event's uh, going to be the 17th until the 19th of May. Yep. And that's the third one. I missed the first two. Did you participate in the other two? I participated in the first one, but not the second one. Did you win one. anything? No. Gummy bears or anything? No, they're giving out. Mm-mm. They didn't. They didn't have any points for <laughs> to purchase anything. No, not that I was aware of. Okay, I think this is the first time they're doing a skin. All right, maybe they'll add. Uh, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll just add more uh, more original Tetris songs in the future. That'll be fun. I want the I want the I want the Tengen Tetris uh, theme. That's what I want. I'm sure. No. <laughs> I'm sure you'll see that. You'll see the Atari one come. All right, Ian. What did I? What did I warn everyone about? When it came to loot boxes, what did I say? I warned the video game industry. They'd be the downfall of civilization. I warned you all out there, you AAA developers. I said that you got to police yourselves. You got to rein in your greed a little bit, or what happens is Uncle Sam's going to do it for you. 
They're going to do it for you. And in, in Europe, they're already starting to look into loot boxes and microtransactions, and now it's starting to happen in the U.S. It's starting to happen. So a U.S. senator, Ian, mm-hmm. is introducing a bill, introduced a bill, to ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, today announced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions in, quote, games played by minors. A broad label that the senator says will include both games designed for kids under 18 and games whose developers normally allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. So that's basically every game. Like, that's, that's a majority of games, you know, yeah. when it comes down to it. Um, the bill is going to be called uh, the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. It's going to come to the U.S. Senate soon. Uh, he brought up the game Candy Crush as an egregious example. This is from uh, Kotaku's article from, from Jason Schreier. Uh, egregious example of pay-to-win microtransactions thanks to its $150 luscious bundle that comes with a whole bunch of goodies. The bill would also likely apply to a host of online games that feature loot boxes in other ways in which players can spend money for real benefits. Ian, Ian, what do you think about this move? Are you surprised? No, I'm not. And I think it's um, a fairly prudent move. Uh, not does it just make sense for uh, from a you know essentially keeping kids from gambling standpoint. Um, it's only good for people who are playing games, too. Well, for the most part. Um, there have been certain instances where microtransactions have been used well. Um, and it's not to say that they can't be. Um, but especially for games that, you know, children are playing. And it seems to make a make an exception for that under 18. So I'm assuming with this bill, a loophole would be uh, to have your game mature rated or above. And perhaps you could get that stuff back in there. Sure. But yeah, no, I think it would just be better for everyone if, the, if these things were not available to children. It would make parents' lives easier. Um, I know, you know, we say watch your kids and yeah, watch your kids. But uh you know, this would drastically cut down on the amount of mistaken hundred and hundred and fifty dollar purchases. Yeah, you know, as well. So I don't think this is a particularly bad idea. Of course, the ESA had their response to Entertainment Software Association, who helps do uh, the maybe soon to be defunct E3. Um, the video game industry lobbyist groups and overstatements shortly after the bill was introduced. Numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Determine that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the center the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls. Are they always aware of those controls? No. Or how to function them? Uh-uh. Kids might know how to undo those controls, too. Yeah. I don't know. Loot boxes are just a garbage mechanic in any way that they go away would be fine. Here's the thing, though, Ian. With, with games like Apex Legends that will only exist if there's some sort right. of Right. Like I said, well, that's then, what I was kind of saying earlier. Yeah, there, are, there are instances where it makes sense. Um, where do you make the cutoff? I don't think under 18 is appropriate, I think. Because, like you said, some games need it. So where do you... Well, they don't need it, but that's the way. I mean, I'm sure they probably could have released Apex Legends, you know, as as a, a paid game, maybe ten bucks, maybe fifteen, but sure. it wouldn't have been as popular that quickly versus free. Right, and they're also referring to pay to win. Something like Fortnite is not pay to win, so I don't think that that would be affected either. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's right. From what I know, Apex Legends isn't pay to win no, either. That, no, okay. it's not. It's uh, from what I understand, it's all cosmetic as well. But there's still an element of luck involved in what you get. Yes. So that's still kind of loot, loot boxy. Yes. It, I, it's I, still gambling. So if you can pay money for it for and you, then get something in return that's random, I have an issue with it. However, I have less of an issue with it if it's strictly cosmetic. Sure, but when if it, but yeah, but if you still want to get that limited, I don't know, Overwatch outfit or oh, something, sure. and that it's happens, still gambling. Yeah, and that happens every every. Um, like you said in the past, they, every event they used to do certain events. Or, oh, they still do. You got to go for loot boxes this weekend only. It's like, well, then you're forcing people to spend money that weekend. Right. That's egregious. You're over the line at that point. Over the line. <laughs> Market is zero. Oh man. So anyway, um, well, that's what to say. You know what the bad part about this is? Or well, not the bad part, but you know what the, the natural extension of this is in our political world? Hmm. I'm surprised there's no uh, ESA not having a lobbying group in, in Washington. This is what happens, though. This is what... They don't. They huh? will. After this, they probably lobbied in Europe. They're going to lobby here. And that's a good old exchange of American dollars behind the scenes to get bills passed. We are talking before about how big the... Uh, the tax uh, tax prep lobbying group is, um, oh yeah, they just uh, they they couldn't uh, bipartisan strike down, handshake across the aisle to strike down you know uh, bills that make it simpler for us to pay our taxes without having to buy software or hire a tax person, you know, strike down bills to have what we owe just mailed to us by the IRS each year, which happens in other countries. They say this is what you owe because we know. What, what your income was uh-huh. we can't get we can't get that done here because there's a lobbying group for like quicken and for like uh you know all the tax prep software people because that's how their business runs by keeping it the tax code uh obscure right and draconian so the whole point is this is that an if, entire industry if, would fall if, if, it if something it. like that that we don't think about it's like yeah why do i have to spend uh five hundred dollars to my taxes which is w- w- less than what i spent this year by the way to get my taxes done why do I have to do that? Why is it complex? Because people want it to be complex, and they and they and they have relationship with people in Washington to make sure it remains complex. This isn't, this isn't conspiracy theory stuff. There's the lobbying groups live in Washington down the road. They all live in and work in buildings right in Washington D.C. Congressmen go from working in Congress or centers to becoming lobbyists because they built up relationships. Relationships already working in Washington over years and years. Sorry, this, this is now a different podcast. Yep. But the whole point is this, is that this is slimy. Um, well, loot boxes can be slimy, but I will be shocked if there isn't pushback on this with lobbying within a few years. Like, this will come back around in another way. Oh, well, now we have exceptions to certain companies because they do it differently or or slap a shinier label on, their, on the front of their... Whatever. Flex Pro Meals is a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes, entrees you may have grown up on that they make healthier versions of. Eating healthy is a lifestyle change, not a two-week gimmick. So it's their responsibility to go the extra mile, giving us the most value with realistic and tasty meal options at a good price. 
FlexPro Meals offers a weight loss fat trimmer plan and a lean muscle larger portion plan. Some of their most popular meal entries are the smoked brisket mac, breakfast burrito, we've got steak and potatoes, beef stroganoff. Oh, God. Uh, all sorts of you know different options, you're, breakfast, lunch. You're dinner. raving about the, uh, the dumplings, right? Yes, they were quite good. I got to try those. Um, so right now, Ian, 20% off your first order out there when you... S- code CU podcast when you visit flexpromeals.com that's 20% off your first order code CU podcast flex pro meals they're damn yummy all right Ian do you, did, you, did you have to get us in trouble again by 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 jabbing a certain youtuber at the end of uh, our talk about Sonic the Hedgehog did you did you know what you were doing I was well aware of what I was doing so, so Ian what did you say Ian you were naughty oh well there is a guy. His name is Jeremy. Jeremy Hambly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was poor. Uh, <laughs> that was poor. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he uh, cried about us about six months ago. And, uh, and some of his fans said not nice things. And then unfollowed Well, us. he said that Pat, me, Hates gamers. <laughs> yeah. After our our Diablo Immortal mobile game, I'm uh, just critique of the backlash. I'm just getting people up to speed for this one. So uh, basically, uh, you know, he's he's a uh, he's a shitty individual. Um, he did a video way back uh, before the new Shira came out. Uh, oh, really? Bitching and crying and moaning and complaining uh, about how uh, Shira wasn't attractive enough. So he needed a he needed a, an, an attractive teenage he, uh, yep, Shira. that's what he needed uh so you know that came across to me as sounding like uh, he was very upset because he couldn't jack off to one specific cartoon mm-hmm. uh so since i don't like him i made an offhanded joke about him at the end uh during the last podcast as you do as you do and um you know, I suggested that, uh, you know, maybe he was upset that he couldn't jerk off to the new Sonic. Oh, I see. Because it was a reference to the to the Shira. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if he realized that. I don't think he's self-aware enough to. But anyways. Do you yeah. want to apologize to Mr. Hamley? Do you want to do that, Ian, at this no, point in time? No. <laughs> you want to do that? No. No, I'm good. Well, he well, he did a follow-up video uh, um, saying that we had the worst take of for the Sonic we were on the internet. The worst. We were pretty in the middle. Pretty in the middle. Well, Ian even said centrism is a poison, even though he was a centrist. There. Which, by the way, a lot of people had a huge issue with that. I don't. Here's the thing about about people, individuals agreeing. I don't agree with Ian saying centrism is poison. But it doesn't mean that we can't have fun and allow Ian to have his point of view in the podcast. I'm not gonna make a. I'm not gonna make a a video as soon as Ian leaves saying Ian is the worst person to have on my on the CU <laughs> podcast. Because that would mean I would be. Um, Antisocial. People take me too seriously. And irrational. If I had done that, I took it in stride and said, "Well, Ian, probably, you know, mostly joking. There's there's a hint of truth to every joke. Yeah, you know, yeah when it comes to it, yeah, there's some truth there. Okay, well, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, a teeny bit, but <laughs> anyway, here's the, here's the thing, Ian. The the thing is, is that we we on YouTube now, uh, we have become part of of I guess the 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 uh, the community. So much so that people go to us, they know we're respected enough that they can get views off things we say that, that they disagree with. Yeah. Or at least they think people will disagree enough to do videos of, more importantly. Uh-huh. They can spin it enough to do videos. 
of. That's where we're at. So I'm kind of proud of that in some respect. I'm kind of <laughs> proud. But what what happens, though, is that people think that they have such an effect on the things we'll say in the future, thinking that, you know, your channel's dead, you know, burn the fire, shut the channel down, things that I think they really overestimate in the grand scheme of things how much us talking about things matters. And, and, and likewise, how much the, the, the pushback matters. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about bullshit. Talking about mobile games and, and movies based upon blue furry characters. We're not talking about healthcare. We're not talking about gun control. We're not talking about uh, potentially foreign governments corrupting, corrupting our government. I mean, you know? I can if you want to really dislike Well, me. yeah, but the point is that this is silly shit. Yeah. So... Um, what bothered me the most, though, about this 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 uh, claptrap, you want to call it, because the first video that uh, Mister Mister Hamley did, uh, the quartering did, didn't bother me because like yeah, this is part of the ecosystem. This is the only way he can get views. He's not interesting on his own. He has to just dredge up uh, what he thinks that his fans will eat up. I I I, I sort of get that in a sick way. That's the way you're going to make your money. Uh, but when you come after me uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, directly uh, and say stuff like, uh, you know, he said, um, yo, Pat, I heard you were worried about whether or not I could masturbate to something. I didn't, I didn't say anything. First of all, that was Ian, which he knew before he tweeted at it. Mm-hmm. And he said, in case you are curious, I'm doing fine, just fine. But for the record, I do not masturbate to video games. So he took what Ian said literally when, he, when Ian wasn't being literal. So that either shows you're either just ignorant of, of someone attempting to tell a joke or you're on purpose twisting it and being intellectually dishonest. One or the other. Um, or thank, both. But then he said, thanks for the concern. Remember what happened last time we tangled? And I really had to think, Ian, if I tangled with this individual or not. Because I don't think I responded uh, to him. I don't, I don't think I, 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 I clapped back on Twitter to him. So I don't know what was happening. So then I started to think that maybe he just doesn't like me for some reason. Like, over the top doesn't like me on top of whatever views he disagrees with or pretends to disagree with to get views. So then I, I saw him tweet about how much he loves AVGN. So I was thinking, oh, maybe this guy's just jealous of me in some aspects because I'm doing things that he wish he could. Maybe he's jealous of the fact that I actually, unlike him, have respect of my peers and colleagues, and I create things other people like that will stand on their own over time. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't like the fact that, like, you know, I've uh, written AVGN episodes. I've appeared in them. Uh, I got stuff on Amazon Prime. I got a couple of books. I'm doing things that people appreciate and like. And I'm not just, uh, you know, just just posting uh you know my fifth brie larson video in 30 days you know things like that gotta get all the brie larson news out because at the end of the day what doesn't matter and i know mr hamley uh you you really really hang your hat on your subscriber numbers because on your channel video you know every youtube channel has a video showing like oh welcome to my channel it's him doing a really cringy dance to his subscribers numbers going up while he has a montage of his detractors saying bad things about him. So obviously to him, what matters in our life is the number of subscribers you have. That's, that's where uh, you should really aspire to just at any cost, apparently just get more subscribers, whether or not how you're getting subscribers is bullshit, or you're actually putting out material that people will give a damn about 
not even a year from now, six months from now, people will want to watch. So I just think it's sad. What's also sad, though, Ian, uh, is the fact that you just look at the, at the Twitter thread where people could easily find information about this individual and how he got he got kicked out of he got kicked out of uh, Magic the Gathering community for being a douchebag. He got kicked out of a convention, or he was not invited back to con- uh, a convention for, for being a, a douche. Um, he he was. Uh, uh, I saw in the video he was complaining about how a certain individual. Uh, wasn't being invited back into the Magic the Gathering community that I, I guess from people were saying, reported to me, was a convicted rapist that wasn't being allowed back in. And he was like, he did his time. I saw that he said in his video, this guy did his time. It's like, well, sure, it doesn't mean we want this guy back at the same time. So this is the type of person that will do videos like that to stir up, stir the pot to get views. And it's not just him, it's obviously others, but this is the one that gets brought to my attention. Unfortunately, this is also an individual, though, that uh, I guess, you know, lives by the words uh, talk shit, get hit. I've seen him post that (laughs) talk shit, get hit. And so he ends up going to a convention and then outside the convention at a bar, uh, he tangled with someone who kicked his ass and then he ran away like a fucking girl and not just that i'm not saying you have to i'm not condoning uh a violence at all in a physical confrontation but when you say talk shit get hit and then not just run away you end up following a, a civil lawsuit against that individual you're not just a, a a hypocrite but you're a fucking coward at that point why should anyone take your word seriously when you are someone who purports to 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 uh uh you know live by those words no you didn't um and on top of that i talk about respect of your peers and colleagues this is an individual if you want to call him in someone that runs in the anti-sjw crowd if you want to say that 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 is it that is a crowd i'm not you're wrong but it is a crowd sure he's not even respected amongst his peers there from what i've gathered right nobody likes this guy like nobody I unfortunately I feel like I take another shower. I actually had to investigate some of this shit and look into it. So he was on a live stream. He had talked shit about uh, a couple of uh, of YouTubers. Um, he had called uh, Keemstar a cuck, um, I guess on Twitter, um, and he had problems with another YouTuber I think named Mister Mediker. So he did a live stream, and I watched this, and they both come and confront him, being like, "You called me a cuck. Like, what the fuck's your problem?" And I guess at that point. Uh, Jeremy didn't have the cojones to back up what he had said, and so he, he so he was all wishy washy. And it's like, no, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't have much of a problem with you. And so they were confused. It's like you talk shit to us, and now we confront you. You don't have the balls to back it up. So they said to him, like, what are you? Are you like you're fucking weird? And they called him a snake because they I guess the jig was up that this is a guy that talks trash to get uh to get views and to get get attention on him which can work but they figured out even people maybe on his side philosophically realized that this guy was just dirt so nobody <laughs> likes this guy and that's the point and and so I, I guess at the end of the day um i don't usually you know talk to you know talk to the audience about things like this because i just want to point out that this is one individual of many this isn't just this guy acting like this there are others that put on this front that they are they're tough or that they're doing things that actually fucking matter that don't and so don't first of all don't uh slander ian and i saying we hate we hate gamers 
you know, if that's the case, then holy shit, I must be the biggest idiot in the world to work on the video game years for free for like two <laughs> years. I must be an asshole to work on a certain NES guidebook that you can uh, you can pre-order the third print at ultimatenes.com. I must be the biggest asshole in the world to work on a book for three years not knowing if I was going to sell a single copy. That's how much uh, I hate gamers, apparently. And amongst for standing up for the protection uh, uh, of uh, gaming consumer rights and calling out bullshit like the clique of Chameleon along with Ian. Yeah, we hate gamers, motherfucker. We really do? You think that? Yeah. I don't think we do. What I think is that uh, you're not a man of your word. You're a coward. And not just me. People in your circle think you're dirt and that you're a snake. And I'll agree with them. They probably know you better than me. Looks like he might have been pretty excited about an article on the Daily Stormer as well. Oh, yeah. That was an interesting thing as well. So the Daily Stormer is a white supremacist neo-Nazi site. That um, I guess he was excited about their coverage of a Magic the Gathering article due to all the claptrap that was going on that he was talking about at the time. So yeah, when you put the, when you put the whole puzzle pieces together of this individual, none of it's good uh, in the least. You really hope that this person doesn't isn't doesn't truly believe all this bullshit that they're putting out into the world. Probably does to an extent because they have no friends. This is the best way they get attention because they really have no talent to create things that people enjoy. The only thing they can do is to talk shit about things and how what Ubisoft did bad this week or what certain podcasters said that's an abomination to the rest of the world. And when that's all you have and you're and you're miserable and you have no friends, maybe you have to go the route that he has gone. I feel bad for you, sir. I feel bad. I just think you're a wet splat. Well, Ian said a little bit, I guess, less eloquently than I just uh, said in, in my soliloquy. So all I'm going to uh, end this with is that um, I still don't think we've tangled in a way. I just told you what you are. Miserable. No friends. Really lacking any sort of creativity long term. And... It is what it is. So the next time you do a video attacking me and Ian, we don't have to talk about it anymore. We probably won't. But we don't give a shit. Because in the, the day, we're better than you. We have friends. We have people that love us. We have colleagues that respect us. We have peers that appreciate our input uh, of our co- content into the world. I don't think you do. And I think none of them like the Daily Stormer. Oh, yeah. None of, none of our friends like the Daily Stormer as well. And, and they don't think that convicted rapists should be invited back into communities uh, as well. So that's all ended at. So let's let's sunset this conversation, Ian. Let's sunset this one. And we'll move on to our next next topic. What is our next topic? Uh, we have a Patreon poll, Ian. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. Go go go! Okay, so uh, th- so this is a this might be a controversial one. Do you want to? Let's just we'll do it anyway. I don't know. I feel like it needs to be revoted. That's why we picked that extra Q and A. Okay, we might have to revoke our Patreon <laughs> because Pat screwed up. For some reason on Patreon, there's a default for default. Why is this the default that you can vote more than once? And usually, but you don't see. You gotta like click down to see it. So I didn't click it. So. There might be more than one vote this week on this, so I think, unfortunately, we have to redo the, the podcast topic. I feel bad. We have to uh, be fair. We're going to have to rerun it. It's it's a false election. It's a sham. It's a sham? 
Sham. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do uh we're gonna do um Q and A. Q and A time on the CU podcast. This is at Brandon uh Velasquez. We've heard of Brandon in a while, have we? No. Would but, it but I know we've heard of him before. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would an NES disc system have sold well had it come out, I guess, in North America? Um, I'm of two minds with this. I, I think it could have uh, been uh, pretty popular had it come out. Um, discs, I don't know how the pricing worked in Japan, but discs should be cheaper than cartridges. Oh, yeah, by at least half, uh, less a little more. Yeah. So um, it definitely could have been an interesting way to get um, get the price of games down. Um, the ability to use the kiosks to put new games on the discs, that was always fairly interesting. And I have a feeling it would have been used. Um, well, I think there's two reasons uh, why it may not have come out here, though, regardless of the fact that it could have done well. Um, one, discs were the domain of computers, and computers were still scary to a lot of people back then, um, whereas video game systems weren't quite so much well remember we're always technologically behind japan like five to ten years sure i mean that even continues today with cell phone tech i hear like their cell phones are like miles ahead of ours they choke the technology in the u.s you know so um so this came out in, we'll just, we'll just, real quick this came out in japan in february 86 uh the other reason i think it they might not have brought it over here is besides the computer association that discs have um I think it was probably pretty easy to look at rampant piracy over here among people who did play computer stuff. Well, there's piracy it, there, though. But yeah, yeah it, but and wonder if it would be worthwhile. Um, so I think it could have worked here, but I think that some preconceived notions of the day kind of held it back. Well, let's put let's 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 just do it this way. So this came out two and a half years after the Famicom did. So let's just say two and a half years later, after the U.S. release, would have been. The end of 87. We'll just say like, you know, uh, say two and a half. Yeah, like end of 87, early 88. Mm. That could have been a prime time because 88 is when the NES really blew up. We'll just say like, tail end 87, 88. By that point in time, computers were still really fucking expensive. Yeah. Computers didn't come down in price till the early 90s. Um, even significantly till, till like the mid 90s. So... Like you, to your point, people have to be familiar with what the hell is a floppy disk because most people didn't know what a floppy disk was still in 88. Definitely not 86. My dad bought, bought an XT in 85 and and that was probably back then like $1,400 in 85. Yeah. So think about that. It's like three grand you're paying for a computer. That now, like, you know, this is more powerful. That This is this probably has more computing power than that XT or the yoga here. It's possible. So... Um, to your point, if they had marketed it correctly, saying, "Hey, you can get similar games for instead of paying forty-five bucks, you're only paying twenty, that could have convinced a lot of people to pick it up. They, right. I mean, hell, they put the expansion slot on the NES, so they could have done it. They probably maybe considered it at least. Right. But like to your point, though, maybe maybe how they maybe they saw how it went in Japan and saying all the, all the piracy happening because the NES came out with the expansion port before this came out. Before the disc system, system came out in Japan, so they probably figured, "Oh shit, we're selling," but this might be hurting us because now people are just caught rampantly copying games. Right. When I go into, when I went, last time I went to Digital Press in New Jersey, there was a whole, you know, they had a whole portion just for Famicom disc games, and I'd say the vast minority were real games versus co- copies sure. versus pirate copies. You know, I, I think 
Not to say that it's bad they're selling them. They're, they're cool. They're kitschy. They're old carts, old, 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 old discs uh, from back then. You know, and no one cares. They're cheap. Um, but, um, yeah, I just think um, it would have been nice, obviously, because the games would have had better music tracks. Right. Zelda better. You know, things of that nature. Saves instead of passwords. Oh, my God. For, oh, my God. Forever, like every game. Because, you know, games like Zelda got the battery in the transition, but Metroid didn't. Metroid got Kid Icarus did that's right good point that's, that's why we got the saves because the family come this system helped with that yep we didn't get the cute little discin guy little yellow guy we could have got <laughs> oh yes discoon could have got him um, so I wonder being that they did they did the standalone or add-on disc system then they also did the twin Famicom which combined both which is a cool system I wonder if that's the route they would have went here maybe that would have been easier for them a few years in Versus having people, you know, have the attachment. Because when you think to that point in time, in terms of, yeah, there were add-ons to consoles, like ColecoVision had add-ons. You know, but they were they were simple. Yeah. Plugged them in, put, it, put an Atari card in, you know what I mean? There was less to screw up, I think, than, than you know, all the machinery of a disc and the bands go and things like that. It's a little yeah, more complicated. Yeah, the bands are always an issue. So, uh, okay. So what was the original question? Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Would an NES disc system have sold well if it come out? Yeah, if it was priced right. Yeah, I think if it, it was would. like, you know, what do you think would it cost back then? Sixty bucks, seventy bucks, back in eighty-eight dollars, and then if the disc cost twenty bucks each, I think it would have done well. Yeah. Before people realize how they could pirate them with you know computers, like my dad used to bring home pirated games from work like it was Christmas. Thanks, Dad, for games. That means you don't have to buy me another GI Joe. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. All right, and. This one is from Lexi. I find it interesting as someone who both loathes, loathes and loves when updates happen continually. I'm primarily a console gamer, then mobile, and lastly a computer gamer. Of the three, I only expect constant updates to my mobile games. So that was from Lexi. So this is, uh, and she pointed us to this PC Gamer article, which is interesting. The pressure to constantly update games is pushing the industry to a breaking point. Ian's enthralled with the topic, I see. Um, so live service games have trained players to expect a constant stream of new content and only constant work can deliver it. So this is, this, this points to, uh, I mean, this, this connects to games being a service, uh, crunch, crunch which, which is a bigger term the past couple of years when it comes to the, the game industry. And it talks about, um, just, you know, how it's changed, not just work behavior of game devs where they're now constantly on, constantly churning out new content, but also relates to how streaming has changed how games are made, which is interesting. So in the past, going back to, you know, the games didn't have DLC originally, or, or if you want to call them expansion packs, like the 90s. You know, you buy a computer game, then maybe a year later you buy like the Warcraft 2 expansion, you right. buy the Starcraft expansion. You know, where you needed the original game, say the original Warcraft 2 cost 40 bucks, the add-on was like 20 bucks. Right. So it was a new experience based upon the original game engine. Um, but then I, I guess cha- things changed in, what do you want to say? The early two thousands, mid two thousands around there, mid two thousands where now games come out and then they already have prep to go, you know, DLC that's scheduled to come out later, but now that's happening more regularly for the major games. Yeah. I think the first game that I remember doing that to a, big degree was street fighter four i always think of that as one of the is that the watershed moment was that 2010 <clears throat> i think it was like 2008 
maybe maybe two thousand. Oh no, you're right. It was before I moved here. Yeah, um, but to me, that was always kind of like a big one when it comes to um, you know DLC and updates and planning because everyone was still like, "Oh, you pay for a costume." I mean, that it was still a weird. It was thing a weird thing. Two thousand eight, July yeah, two thousand eight. Um, but now you know. So back then, they would finish. They would get through, finish a game, finish developing a game, get it out. And that would generally be it, except for maybe, like, one expansion pack. Now games that are online all the time, unfortunately for the developers, the crunch doesn't really end. Especially if there's a crunch in the lead-up. You release the game, and then these games live and die by their online presence. Um, Not just in terms of who's actually playing in the game, but who's talking about it online and who's doing what with it online. So streamers, for instance, will stream very popular games like a Destiny or a Division um, or something like that. And they make that their job. If there isn't constant updates to it, there's nothing new for them to stream and everything will slowly fall apart. Okay. Yeah, and that's sort of the scary part of this is that they they are, I guess, for their... for obviously what games like Apex Legends were, they they paid st- uh, streamers to play it to get the popularity up. But that's not enough because from what I saw, like uh, Apex Legends has fallen off because streamers have gone back to Fortnite, other games, especially if you're not getting paid to play anymore. So unless people are streaming it, people outside of the streamers will be less likely to play them because they're not aware of it and it's not the cool and hot thing to play still. So to get the streamers to keep playing it, you need constant new content. Like Fortnite has yeah. is in season eight coming out. The game hasn't been out for two years, and they have eight seasons. Yeah, a man. season to me is supposed to be like, like what? Well, I guess to them it's every. I'm thinking of TV seasons, but I guess to them it's every quarter. It's a new game experience. Well, they basically what happens is they use storyline to change the map up. Yeah, now it's winter. Now there's a new island or whatever the fuck it's going on. Or this city is gone now. Et yeah. So I understand that, and I guess if that's the way to keep going, but on the the on the the back end. There's no there's no downtime. It's not like you put a game out, you can rest for a couple of months right. or oh we, oh we just put out the new Sierra game. Al Lowe wrote the game. He worked on it hardcore for eight months straight, crunched, and then I can vacation for a bit and, and work on uh, the, the F- Freddie Parkus pharmacist game here and there. You know, like he Freddie Farkas Frontier Pharmacist. Yes, I, I never could get the name right. I think I played it once the demo. Anyway, I don't know why I just he, he worked on that one. I think anyway. Um, See what I mean, though? It's a different culture now. Well, it's not like, well, computer games where it's like three people make them or two people. But it's, it's different now. It, the, mo- the, the mode has changed. And I guess what you can say is, well, have games become too big for the britches when it comes to that? It's like, well, maybe they have. But at, at this point, we're sort of locked into the streaming world. Yes, yes, Al Lowe did work on Freddy Friday. How the hell did I know that? I, I, I think just pull it on my butt. <laughs> it, was, it was Al Lowe and Josh Mandel. Who also worked on Space Quest games. Yeah. I know, I know that much. Um. Yeah. So and so and then streamers. The re- and this affects streamers too, just in the fact that streamers now, not streamers for Action Fifty Two, one of the best concepts ever that should get remade. <laughs> not the crap remake they did with Bionic Commando. I want little cute mouse in a party hat streamer. Um, if streamers streamers only stay relevant if they think their audience is interested in what they're playing, and it has to be new and fresh. So. They're going to move away from a game that has been updated in a while to keep their audience, So, uh, if that makes sense. So if Apex Legends doesn't get a big update in a few months or Fortnite doesn't, they'll find a game that's new. 
Right. Just so that people are like, oh my god, I haven't seen the same Fortnite. I, I saw Fortnite for 10 years in a row, but here's a new game. So now the influencers are affecting how games are developed. Mm, yep. So That's that to me is weird. strange. It's actually, I think, bad for, for most of us because maybe we want... I don't know, for an example, I don't know, maybe I want epic games to work on an arena shooter that would probably sell very well if they put money into it (laughs) but now they can't because they're tied up in this world because they're in this this um this this feedback loop of new content make sure streamers play more more money to new content make sure the streamers play it more money that there's less they're less inclined to take a risk now and put their money and resources to a, an entirely new product versus keeping on the current one they have and just keep developing for it constantly versus taking a step back from Fortnite, in this example, and putting money and resources towards, I don't know, Unreal Tournament 2020 and doing that. And that could be a big hit on its own, but now we'll never know because they're stuck here and it's working for them. But now what suffers is, is, is um, creativity these employees suffer because they're constantly crunching, crunching, and now we have a, a a a smaller range of games to play from these developers. Right, they just keep updating current ones instead of releasing new ones. Thanks to influencers, it's an interesting article. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I think I expounded upon it a little more than I thought I was going to. Make sure that gets linked up there. I don't like. I, I like the articles. I absolutely like the articles. Absolutely, it's a good one. Uh, while Anthem was not well loved by reviewers when it launched, uh, da, 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 Bioware fans were vocal in its defense. That's changed now. Look at the Anthem subreddit. Paints a much bleaker picture with posts about how the trust is gone. That fans' goodwill was sneakily garnered from the game community before launch with shady business uh, tactics. All that has to do with, um, I guess, I guess um, how they released the game and how. Well, Anthem's a game where the, the, the only way they, those games make money is constant content rolled Anthem out. Anthem or Apex? Uh, talking about Anthem. Okay, yeah, they're talking yeah. about the crunch of... That's talking about a crunch of a game like that where sure, yeah. you constantly have to have DLC lined up for year after year to make money yes. yeah. on it and how that's the way the game model is now for that. You know, it, it, it'd be like playing... War, my, my example is Warcraft. It's Warcraft's the first game I bought an expansion pack to, Warcraft 2. So if you bought Warcraft 2, but you... In order to fully experience the game, you knew you had to buy their add-on. I didn't have to buy the add-on to to love Warcraft 2, Ties of Darkness. It's a great game. The expansion was literally a bonus game, but now it's like the integration of these these new pieces feel like you have to get them. Sure. You need to get them to stay up with it. So that's how the games change as well for games like that. Where games as a service. I'm rambling a lot this podcast. I feel weird. Am I making sense? Mostly. Mostly, okay. I'll I've, I've at least been able to pay attention and ascertain that. Oh, really? You're making sense. You're making good sense. Do I have to ask the quartering to make a video a, 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 about this now? This this controversy between us. This is controversy. The controversy. Can you do a cute little little tweet about that? Because I said the quartering in a video. I think we're going to mention his name every video going forward. I think we're going to do that. I'd rather not. Oh, okay. well, you know, make sure he's paying attention to us. <laughs> He has nothing better to do. Jeremy Hamley. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, is that it for the CU podcast? You want to do the third one? We're, we're, we're ahead nah. of time. Nah, I'm going to go get breakfast. You get breakfast? You don't do a live stream? I'm going to go get breakfast before before I go to Wake. Wake? Wake. 
Luna of Games, two locations, two locations. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Woik. I was going to say, oh, oh, uh, Ian and I will be at um, Long Island Ice Gaming Expo. Ah, uh, yes. What did you say? Long Island Ice Tea. Long Island. Wow, <laughs> I haven't had one of those since college. <laughs> I don't think many people do. <clears throat> um, and that is August uh, 10th and 11th? Yes. August 10th and 11th. Um, Where will you be, Pat? Uh, I'll be there. I was going to go over this expo first, Ian, and, t- and tell the good, good people who yep. else are going to be there. That's at expo.liretro.com. Um, and you're going to have vendors. You're going to have uh, pinball and guest speakers, musical. You're going to have free play. You're going to have tournaments. There's going to be a museum there for rare and weird products. Neat. That'll you're going to cool. have our pal Leonard Herman. Yeah. Game scholar, author, uh, friends, was good friends with our, our the deeply, uh, deeply beloved departed Ralph Bear. Who wrote uh, Phoenix, uh, uh, which was the original video game history book? Uh, Vinny from Vine Sauce will be there. Cheap ass gamer cast. Our pal Frank Cifaldi will be there. Uh, My life and gaming folks will be there. The Retronox folks will be there. And 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 Ian and I. Which, Woo! Are we on the? Are we on the? Are we on the uh, guest list yet? I don't think we're <laughs> yeah, but we're going. And then uh, the week before, I will be at Missouri Game Con, and that will be uh, it's at M O. Mo game, That's Saturday, August third. I'll be there, um, and that features Pat Contry. That features uh, Walter Day. That features uh, Jay from the Game Chasers. Will be there. Norm will be there, and more. You got the uh, Nintendo PlayStation will be on display as well. Uh, Adam Korlick will be there too, and then I will also be at Too Many Games back there, and that's in Pennsylvania. Uh, that is going to be June 21st to 23rd. I will be there along with uh, Antoinette selling her artwork and Rocco the Wonder Dog. Woo! Uh, Rocco is is the best doggo ever. Rocco. And he's, and he's a really, really good service dog as well. And that's in uh, the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center, Oaks, PA as well. Uh, I will be there. That's a great picture. Along with Vinny uh, there, uh, some call me Johnny, uh, James Rolf, Scott the Waz, Chuck Conroy. I haven't seen him in years at a convention that I've been to. I think Magfest used to be there, and more. Uh, so anyway, go to TooManyGames.com for more information. You can pre-order a certain Super Nintendo guidebook at UltimateSNES.com. Third print run of the NES book will be coming soon as as well. Uh, anything else going on? Nope. All right, that was that was a productive podcast. Productive. I think we. I think that that tangle went well economically. Economical tangle. Sure. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think he. I don't think he understood what the word tangle meant. I don't think he knows either. I think. I, I, I think. Uh, I think he thought this was uh, like like he was a the bully character in a 1985 uh, rom com. Whatever. Like, like whatever. He was hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. Whatever he needs to do to get off. Okay. <laughs> That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. We will see you later.